0: all right good morning how y'all doing this morning awesome good morning to those of you online how y'all doing yep all right good no 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 comment from the peanut gallery there on the uh, on zoom that's all right good morning good morning to everyone I hope y'all are uh, doing well. If you have your copy of God's Word, whether it be uh, in paperback or digital form, open it up, turn it on. We're going to be in Acts chapter six. We're in Acts chapter six, <clears throat> and we are going to look at a famous passage that's known, okay, that's known as kind of a a deacon passage. I mean, if you are a deacon. Uh, in the church and it doesn't matter if it's this church or any other church pretty much they always turn to this passage and they look in Acts chapter 6 because it helps kind of define the role of a deacon and uh, pastor tapped me on the shoulder uh, uh, yesterday and he said hey uh, 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 can, can you please uh, fill in for me this morning? And I wasn't expecting him to be here, but he's here now. So now I'm really nervous For all the heresy that I'm going to teach now, and he will chastise me for it later. But, um, uh, that's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, uh, anyway. As soon as I say amen, I'm running out the door. Hopefully y'all won't be able to catch me. But this is a famous passage. And just like John Mark referenced, we know Stephen as the first martyr. He is the first martyr in the Christian church. As, As the gospel begins to spread, okay, um, and And as it is going through there in Jerusalem, eventually we read in Acts chapter uh, seven that Stephen is martyred for the gospel of Jesus Christ. but as I uh, was taking time to prepare today uh, last night and early this morning um, i i can't, I was reading this passage and um, to, to be honest with you, we always look at, at Acts chapter 6, verses 1 through 7, and we read it, it through the lens of being a deacon, okay? But today, instead, I want to, um, to read it and view it through the lens of just sheer being a man, of just being a man and answering the call that God has on each one of our lives, And so when you look in Acts chapter 6, starting in verse 1, it says this, In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the Word, Uh, of God in order to wait on tables brothers and sisters choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom we will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and to ministry to the ministry of the word verse 5 this proposal pleased the whole group they chose Stephen a man full of faith say full of faith oh that was weak say full of faith there you go. And the Holy Spirit. Also, Philip, and they list a whole bunch of other guys whose names uh, I can't pronounce. And then verse 6 it says, They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid hands on them, so the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Oh, When we look at this passage... And we see it, we see that the first deacon body is really ordained at this point in time. But also when you read this passage, there are two other things that kind of pop up that apply to each one of us individually today. And the first thought is simply this, and and I only have two thoughts this morning, and all God's people said, Amen, it's going to be short. I never heard a bad short sermon. It's going to be short. But there are two things that we see from this passage. And the first thought is simply this. There is a place for you to serve. There is a place... For you to serve. Look there in verse 2. It says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and they said, It would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Here's the deal is that the gospel is going out, teaching is happening, ministry is happening, God is moving, ministry is going on, the church is coming together, the disciples, they look around and they say, Hey, what we're doing is important. But then there are so many other things that are going on in the ministry that that stuff is important too. So not only is what we are doing important, but there are other things that are important as well. And unfortunately, we cannot do both. We cannot preach the word and we cannot serve the widows. We cannot preach the word and go over here and do this or do that. And so they came to the conclusion and they said this, we need help. We need Help verse 3 brothers and sisters chose seven men choose seven men from among you who are full of the spirit and wisdom They Looked around and they said Where are some men? That can help We are looking for men that are selfless we are looking for men that are willing they were looking for men who could serve they were looking for men bottom line who just very simply could help gentlemen i propose to you this morning that we need men in our church to stop serving themselves and to start serving God. We need men to step up in the church and stop serving themselves and rather start to serve God. And I'm not talking about men to serve in the children's ministry or to be door greeters or to host a home for disciple now. Are those things important? Yes. Absolutely. Do we need men like that? Yes. Absolutely, but when you read this passage and when you look at this passage, and when we look at Stephen in, in, in his life, we see that they have a bigger picture in mind. You see, the disciples, they had a problem. And so they looked around for guys and they said, "We need men to help us solve." this problem. Men, there are people in this world that are looking for men because they have a problem. And the only way that problem can be fixed is by a godly man stepping up to the plate and serving. There are a lot of problems in this world that can be fixed if men would just step up to the plate And begin to serve let me explain that unpack that just a little bit there are three areas and and I could go all day on this but there are three areas in which you could serve the first is this is that you can serve God at the office that's it plain and simple you say oh I wasn't expecting that one (laughs) you can serve God while you're at the office If you look in Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 through 24, it says this. Whatever you do, whatever it is that you do, you catch that? It it doesn't say whether you're in church. It doesn't say whether you're at home. It says whatever it is you do, wherever it is you are, wherever you are, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. When I go to work, and when I go to the office, did you know that you're serving the Lord? Did you know that? That when you go to work, you are serving the Lord. You are not there to serve your own self-interest, but rather you are there to serve the Lord. And if I am there to serve the Lord, then I need to act accordingly. Should I not? I need to act accordingly. I need to do my best. I need to honor my employer. If I, am, uh, if I am the employer, then guess what? I need to honor my employees. When I go to work and I do a good job for my boss or I do a good job for my clients, guess what? You are doing a good job for the Lord. If you made a decision to honor your company in the right and correct way, then guess what? You've made a decision to honor the Lord. Dietrich Barmenhofer said this, "...temptations which accompany the working day will be conquered on the basis of the morning breakthrough to God. Decisions demanded by work become easier and simpler when they are made not in the fear of men, but in the sight of God." He wants to give us today the power which we need for our work. The office is not just a place where you go and you earn a paycheck. It is a place for you to do ministry. It is a place where you can serve. And a lot of us, we get so caught up in, hey, this is a place where, man, I just have to go in, I have to crank it out. And we kind of forget that that is a place of ministry. That is a place where God has called each one of us to serve. What would happen if you went into the office and you began to look at it as a ministry and you began to invest in the people there? And I guarantee you, there are people in your office that are desperately screaming and crying out for help. There are people that are crying out for help. They say, "We, I need help. And it may not be with the job. It could be something that's going on at home. It could be something that's going on with their kids. So much ministry can happen. And you can have an impact by simply choosing to serve in your office. And to serve those around you. There's another place you can serve. You can serve God at home. You can serve God at home. Colossians 3.19 Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Boy, that's plain and simple, is it not? Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. When I come home tired from work, I will be the first to admit that there are times when I want to be left alone. Amen? I get home can't tell y'all a story last night I got home. First thing out of my wife's mouth was, "Hey honey, how was your day?" It was good. Great. Your son needs braces. R- really? That's that's how we're starting our evening together? Are y'all are y'all with me on this? Has that ever happened to you?
1: No, that didn't
0: happen to you. Okay, all right, I'm with you. You must be single, amen, all right. No, I'm Here's Here's the deal. Yes, I'm not going to go there anyway. Bless you, Rex. Man, I get home, I don't want to talk to anybody. Kids are screaming at each other, fighting. And I'll be honest. Sometimes my wife gets the worst of me. Y'all with me on that? My wife gets the worst of me. Sometimes our wives, they get the worst of us. If I'm honest, my wife gets the cold leftovers of me. That's what she gets when I get home after a hard day. Yet I can serve God by simply loving God my wife not liking her not putting up with her but rather choosing every day when i get in the car to drive home to say you know what when i walk in the door no matter what happens i'm going to love my wife tell you what a lot of marital issues can be solved when men begin to step up to the plate and they learn that i can serve god simply by loving my wife loving my wife, so many things get tossed to the side. I, uh, when I was working on my doctorate, I had this professor. His name was Doctor Nazaro, Okay, and when you're in your when you're in the doctoral program, what's really cool is that the professors don't look at you as students; they look at you as equals. And so during the program, we would have a professor come in, and we would all sit down, and it was really relaxed. You know, we'd put our feet up on the desks, and we actually sat around a conference table. We'd drink, chew gum, do whatever. You know, it was really relaxed. It was intense, but it was relaxed. And most of the professors, they would walk in in blue jeans and, you know, a polo, and we would laugh, we would cut up, we would have a good time. But, man, it was really relaxed. It was really casual. But there was this one professor, and his name was Dr. Cat Nazaro, and he walked in every day with a suit on, okay? Not a coat and tie, all right? A suit. And there's a difference between a coat and tie and a suit. Y'all know what I'm talking about? A coat and tie is just a pair of random slacks coupled with a jacket and a tie, okay? And hopefully it all matches. A suit, okay, a suit is a matching jacket and a Pants. Are y'all with me on this? You're with me on this seminary professor over there, right? Yeah, there, there is a difference. And not only would he walk in wearing a suit, but it would be finely pressed. He had a different colored suit every single day. Every time I saw him, he never wore the same suit twice. He had a pressed shirt. He had a tie. I know, you're with me. And then he had one of those handkerchiefs right there in the pocket Always, And it was not one of those square ones, you know, that you buy and you just put in there. It was one that was all fluffed up. You know what I mean? Y'all with me on this? It had the creases and everything. And he'd walk in every day wearing that. Whether it was during our seminars or I'd just have to go up to seminary and and talk about some. Every time i say he was always dressed up. And so we got to talking in class. We were talking about how we dress when we get home. Are y'all with me on this? When y'all get home... Did I hear an amen? Yeah. When you get home, you get into the comfy pants. Are y'all with me on this? Y'all get into the comfy pants? Bob, are you the only one? Are you and I the only ones that get into comfy pants? Yeah, you're at home all the time. <laughs> Let me tell you what, man. You get into comfy pants, all right? You come over to my house and, and and I'm not expecting you. I'm going to answer the door in comfy pants, all right? And they are a pair of just ratty gym shorts that I've had for 10 years that I bought at Walmart. Y'all with me on this? And the most comfortable shirt that I've had for like 20 years, it's like broken in. It just fits me. Are y'all with me on this? I mean, am I talking? I mean, y'all understanding me, right? right? Right. Thank you, Bob. All right. Now, here's the deal. We got to talk about wearing the comfy clothes when we get home. And one student popped off in our class and said, I wonder, Ken what you wear when you get home. And you know what he said? Well, I wear this. <laughs> and, and we said, what? What kind of crazy are you? And he said, listen, ladies and gentlemen, because we had one lady in our, in our cohort. He said, listen. He said, I have to dress like this for you. And some of you I like, and some of you I don't particularly care for. <laughs> and then he said this, and this is, what, this is when you could hear a pin drop. He said, when I get home, I love my wife. If I dress like this for you, how do you think I want to dress for my wife? What? And one student said, and it wasn't me. One student said, he said, he said this, he said, you, you really go home and you wear that at home? He said, yes. I walk into the house, I greet my wife with a kiss, I go to the bathroom, he said, and I wash my face. I might put on a little bit more deodorant. I will straighten my tie and then I will sit down and I will have a meal with my wife. And my children, if I dress like this for you, how much more should I go home dressed like this for my wife? Now, that seems small. That seems insignificant. To me, that seems a little over the top. But you know what? He's been married for 40 years. There's probably something I could learn from that. And it's not to learn how to dress, it's to learn how to love my my wife. And guess what? One of the ways he serves his wife is simply by dressing up for her every night when they sit down for dinner. That's what he does. That's how he loves his wife. And that seems so simple and so silly all at the same time. But guys, we serve God by simply loving our wives not liking them loving them and there are certain things that we can do to serve our wives that will change the game in our homes they will change the game you might have to try and figure it out It might take you a little while to figure out how you can serve her. But gentlemen, our wives are crying out, I need help. What were the disciples doing? We need help. We need help. What is the office space doing? They're crying out. People are saying, I need help. We need someone to help to come to our rescue, to help serve. Our spouses, our men, our wives are crying out, I need help. Do you have kids? I tell you what, my wife needs help. She doesn't need me to come in and to turn on my iPad and to watch Netflix. She needs me to come in and to serve her, to love her, and to help her wherever she needs. You see, we look at this passage in Acts chapter 6, and that is a deacon passage. Am I right? You're in charge of the deacons, right? It is a deacon passage. You know what the word deacon means? It is Greek. It comes from the Greek word. And it just simply means helper or servant or minister. All those things mean the same thing. It means to serve. And so guys, I challenge you. When we look at this passage, it is not just looking at men going and serving widows. It is calling on men to go and just to simply step up to the plate, to stop being lazy, and then start serving. You can do that at the office. You can do that at home. And it can change and revolutionize what God does, not only in your heart and life, but also in the heart and lives of others around you. There's a third way you can serve. You can serve God inside and outside the church. You can serve God inside and outside the church. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 through 11, it says this. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. There it is, plain and simple, men. Each one of us have been given a gift. Some of us have been given the gift of brains, of intellect. We're smart. I mean, you can use that. Some of you have been gifted the gift of being able to fix anything. I call it the gift of hands. I mean, you can fix anything. There are some of you here in this room that are good problem solvers. It says each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Some of you are good teachers. Some of you are good encouragers some of you you know sometimes we show up here not to hear the lesson but to just simply get in, encouraged and there are several men here that I like hanging out with. You know why? Cuz man, I'm encouraged. Don't don't hang out with Rex. He will not encourage you. Or Dennis. Don't hang out with those. They won't encourage. You. They'll they'll drag you down. But but I'll tell you what. Man, there are guys you look forward to. You come here and say, man, I want, I want to be here. Each one of us have, has been given a gift, have been, has been given a gift, and we are to use it. We are not to sit on it. We are not to be lazy about it. Rather, God has called us to use it, to exercise it. Each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to do what? To serve others. There's a reason why God has gifted you. He gifted you for the sole purpose to serve others. That's the reason why. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks with various words of God. If anyone serves they should do so with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. The whole point and reason why we serve is to bring praise and honor and glory to Jesus Christ. That is why we are here on this earth. To bring Him praise, to bring Him honor, and to bring Him glory. And then I love the end of that. To to Him be the glory and power forever and ever. Amen. You know, some of you might sit there and you say, well, I, I don't know how I can serve. I don't know what what to do. There are several men in here that I know, uh, that I look around, and they've, they've approached myself or somebody else here, and they'll make this statement. What do you need done? Well, what I have is not really glamorous. You're not going to really get any, I mean, credit for it. You're not, you're not going to get any accolades. It's behind the scenes. Nobody will probably even know that you did it. And you don't know what their response is. I don't care. It's not what I'm here for. And I'm just here to serve God. And how we serve God is we serve others. We are the hands and feet of Jesus both inside the church and also outside the church. We got a letter yesterday, did we not? I don't know the full contents of that letter, but, Fraser, you do, right? Come up here and tell us about the letter. Come on. Come on. We got a letter in staff yesterday. Tell us about the letter. Come on. He didn't know I was going to do this. (laughs) Go ahead. Tell us about the letter. So we got a letter... It was actually closed with a $200 check and just said that uh, their neighbors were members of Cotton Creek and just wanted to let us know that uh, it was during the ice storm that, uh, that their pool kept freezing up and they were out of town and, and their neighbors, who were our members, were going out with a sledgehammer and, and busting up the ice in the pool so that the pool didn't freeze and the pipes didn't bust and everything. And just talked about how their surfaced. He said, this is just one example. How they serve. He said that, you know when the temperature got a high of six, they were out there three times a day chopping up a big old chunks in this ice with a sledgehammer, trying to make sure that their pool didn't freeze and, and their pipes didn't burn while they were away. So just, just wanted us to know, you know, what our people were doing and the reputation they had in the community. And We just thought that was pretty cool. Right? It had nothing to do with us, nothing we organized, it's just our folks looking for opportunities to serve one another. So Yeah. So right there, that yeah, come on. But here's the deal is we need more men like that. They're just going to step up to the plate and serve. There are people, again, that are screaming, help, help, help. Man, we need to step up to serve. I don't know how God has gifted you. But it really doesn't matter. He's gifted you to serve, not to sit. He's gifted you to serve and not to sit. I like what Hebrews 6.10 says. I'd write this down or look it up, learn it, memorize it. It says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work. He will not forget your work. And the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help him. Nobody may know what you do. But God does, and He takes note. God does, and He takes note. John Hagee said this, The measure of a man's greatness is not the number of servants he has, but the number of people he serves. It's the number of people he serves. Who are you serving? And so we see here, and I could go on and on and on about this, but... In a nutshell, the disciples look around and they said, we need some help. We need some help. Who do we turn to? And this leads us to our second thought, and that is this. Our faith should drive us to serve. Our faith should drive us to serve. If you look there in verse 5, it says this in Acts chapter 6. It says, this proposal pleased the whole group. They chose, and it says that they chose seven men. They chose Stephen. A man full of faith. Say full of faith. There you go. A man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Now here in Acts chapter 6 is where we first hear mention of the man named Stephen. There are seven men that are chosen. But the first one listed is Stephen. And the most information we have about Stephen is listed right there in that verse. Stephen is a man and was a man full of faith in the holy spirit nothing about stephen in his personal life is really known we don't know his parents we don't know if he had siblings we don't know if he had a wife or children but what we do know about this man is that he was faithful that's what we know about this man the important stuff about who this guy is named Stephen is listed in Scripture. He was faithful. That is just a small, short line. They chose Stephen, and he was a man that was faithful and full of the Holy Spirit. He was faithful even to the point of death. We read in Acts chapter 7 how he gives a defense for his faith, for he is accused of blasphemy. He gives a defense, and he finally pops off about verse 52, and he says, says, you stiff-necked people, and boy, that enraged the Sanhedrin. They drug him out and stoned him for his faith in Jesus Christ. But this is a man full of faith, it says. Scripture defines faith as this in Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now faith is... Confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. Real quick, what does it mean to be full of faith? What does faith even mean? What does faith mean? Faith is intellectual agreement coupled with trust. Faith is intellectual agreement coupled with trust. Let me give you an example of that. Right over here, I have a chair. Y'all see that chair? Right here, I have a chair. Okay? I have this chair. Now, I look at this chair, and I see that it has a seat. I see that it has some small bars on it. I look at it, and I see that there are welds on those bars. The chair looks somewhat sturdy. I'm looking at myself and being a heavier man. I look at that chair, I look at myself, and I intellectually come to the conclusion that this chair is strong enough to hold my body weight. I saw that, and I'm praying for you. (laughs) Intellectually, I look at that chair and I go, yeah, it can hold me up. That's just the first half of faith. Because, see, I believe this chair can hold me up. You know why? Because I've looked at the evidence. I've looked at the construction. I may have some questions. I got on the internet. I did a little research, found out the company, found out the uh, the, the gauge of steel that they use, and on and on and on. But at the end of the day, I look at this chair and I go, eh, it can hold me up. But that's only the first half of faith. It's just the belief. Remember James two two. it says even, or James 2.21 or... uh Uh, James 2.19, rather. Hey, even the demons in hell, they they believe in Jesus and in who He is. Hey, there's the evidence. I believe that this chair can hold me up. But faith is intellectual agreement coupled with trust. And so, if I truly have faith in this chair, then not only am I going to believe, That'll hold me up. But I'll sit down in it. I'll sit down in it. And that's what faith is. Faith is simply the knowledge and then putting that knowledge into action. Many people have faith in Jesus Christ for their salvation and for their eternity. But we also need to have faith in our daily walk with Christ. Oh yeah, we believe the Bible and we believe what it says, but we need to put it into practice, do we not? We need to put it into practice. We believe the Bible and what it says. Okay, if you do, then start to obey it, gentlemen. Start to obey it. We believe in the promises and the commands of God? Great, then live accordingly to God's promises and to God's commands. We agree to the truth of God's Word, then we need to allow ourselves to be transformed by the truth of God itself. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Do not be conformed to this world, but rather be transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the testing of that you may discern what the will of God is, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And here's how it all comes together with Stephen. Stephen is a man that believes in Jesus. He believes in Jesus for his salvation, and he believes in the teachings of Jesus Christ, and therefore acts and lives accordingly. And that is what living by being full of faith. I believe in Jesus. I believe what he's taught. And I live accordingly. I would like to challenge you men to not just have faith in Jesus for your salvation, but also to put your faith into action, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus in all aspects of your life. Not to just show up on Sunday mornings or on Tuesday mornings, but to show Jesus to your co-workers, to show Jesus to your family, to show Jesus in your hobbies, and to show Jesus in those who you hang out with, and to show Jesus in in your church Christianity is not a Sunday morning thing it is a lifestyle thing it is an attitude thing it is a humility thing it is a standing up for what is biblically right and true thing it is a serving thing it is a John three twenty nine thing he must increase and I must decrease that's what it is Hebrews 11, verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who seek Him. Francis Chan says this, True faith manifests itself through our actions. Get that? True faith manifests itself through our actions. Men, I just want to encourage you. Stop sitting and start serving. Start serving in your workplace. Start serving in your home. Start serving others around you. That's what this life is about. And that's what Stephen taught us, a man full of faith. He did whatever it took, and he went all the way with it to death to being stoned. I think the worst thing we got right now in America is just a little people just make fun of us. They might post something on social media and that's about the worst of it. That's nothing compared to being stoned. Have you ever been hit with a rock? It hurts. It'll kill you. Ask Stephen. God desires us and has equipped each one of us to serve. So I want to encourage you. And serve with me. Serve beside me. Serve beside our pastor. Serve beside your wife. Serve beside your family. Serve beside your boss. But begin to serve. Let's pray. God, we love you and we thank you for this day. Thank you for this time we could come here together and open up your word and learn from you. God, I ask that we would go forth into this world. Father, that we would not go to our jobs and just be another employee or employer, but that we would walk in, rather, with the attitude and the heart of a servant. That when we go home tonight to our wives, Father, that we would choose to serve them instead of serving our own self-interests. God, that when we look at our neighbor, and we know that they need help, they're struggling, Father, that we would step up to the plate that we would serve those around us, whether it be here inside these four walls of Cottonwood Creek, or whether it be in our neighborhood, or just the community in general. God, thank you for this time we could be here today. And thank you for your son, Jesus, who made all of this possible through his death, burial, and resurrection. It's in your name we ask these things. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen.